We're starting a series today called Grateful, uh, being grateful of lots of things that we have in life. Um, it, this is interesting. There are some people that uh, kind of put a new spin on grateful. Maybe you're in this particular group of people, but there used to be a show called um, Lucky to be Alive or I Shouldn't Be Alive. Have you ever seen that? Uh, they, they basically follow the story of people that were put in seemingly impossible situations, uh, people that were stranded at sea and had no possible chance of surviving, um, or somebody that went hiking in a canyon, and they had no resources, there were no help, no possible way of getting help, they got trapped, um, and, and they kind of were left for dead. And in every single one of these stories, they miraculously get rescued, and they live to tell the story, and they make these, these shows about them, and in every episode, uh, they're always faced with these stories where they're, they're getting ready to lose their life, but something happens and they miraculously get rescued. They get handed a fresh start in life. Say fresh start. Say it again, fresh start. This, today we're talking about being thankful for a fresh start, a fresh start in life. Do you think these people in these stories, do you think they had a new outlook on life? You bet they did. In the interviews, they begin to tell about their rescue, and you see them on the, state, on the, uh, on the screen there. And inevitably, every time they get to the part where they were rescued, they begin to tear up. They begin to cry. They begin to get emotional as they think about they shouldn't have made it. But somehow, some way, they were rescued, and it just it makes them, it makes them cry. Um, we're, we're leading this series grateful up into Thanksgiving, um, and I, I think it's kind of fitting um, to talk about the attitude of gratefulness just before we get into running people off the road to get to the Black Friday sales. There, there's just something about the, the day after Thanksgiving shopping sprees that pull out the best in us. Would you agree to that? I mean, we just, we're ready for it. Say fresh start. I got, I got to thinking about the people in these stories and, and why it is every time they, they, they got to the point where they were talking about their rescue, they begin to tear up. Why do you think they cried? I just kind of pondered this and I came to the realization that there is something about a fresh start. When you knew that you shouldn't have made it, that sends you into a state of gratefulness. There, there's something about a fresh start whenever you had no possible way of getting out, that when somebody, something, somehow, you were rescued, it, it takes your gratitude and puts a whole another level, level on it. Some of you came from a life of poverty, and there was no way out. There's no way you should have made it, but God gave you a fresh start, and, and now you don't see blessings the same way you used to. There's a whole other level of your gratitude. Some of you had a marriage that was all but over, but somehow, miraculously, through God's power and through a lot of humility on your part, you got a fresh start, and you're never going to take what you have for granted again. You have this new level of gratitude. Uh, some of you were saved from the bondage of addiction. And you thought you'd never make it out, but somehow you, you got this, this fresh start because of God's power and your willingness to learn. Um, and you're never going to take life for granted again. You kind of see life through a whole new lens. All of us have been given the gracious gift of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have been given the opportunity for a fresh start in our souls and the ability to live new life in Him. Say fresh start. When, when you get, we're given a fresh start. Because you were trapped and you knew there was no way out, but God rescued you, your fresh start will send you into a whole new level of gratitude. There's this story in the Bible about a woman who was given a fresh start. She was, uh, this fresh start was given to her on the heels of her very worst day of her life. She had messed up pretty bad. Um, the fact is that she had an affair with a guy. 
And just to kind of set up the scene, Jesus has been at the Mount of Olives, just a short little stone's throw outside of Jerusalem. And he comes back into Jerusalem that morning early, and he was real popular. So as soon as he walked into the temple courts, everyone kind of surrounded him. What is Jesus going to say today? What kind of teaching is he going to teach today? Some people were thinking, you know, what, what kind of junk is he going to stir up today? Because it was, it was always controversial with Jesus and the religious leaders whenever he was around. So people get gather around him. Jesus sits down. He begins to teach. Um, and he, he just gets into the teaching whenever there's this huge interruption. The religious leaders of the day, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they burst into the middle of the scene with this woman. And we're going to pick up reading in John chapter 8, verse 3. And I'm going to read a little bit of this, and we're going to talk about this woman and the fresh start that she was given. Uh, it says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. I want you to get the picture now. They didn't just hear about it. It wasn't something that was after the fact. They caught her in the act. Okay? She was caught in the act of adultery. Then they, they posed this question. In the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such a woman. This is their law. This is what is supposed to happen by their Jewish law. And then they look at Jesus and say, what do you say? Now, I want you to try to imagine this for a minute. She's humiliated. She's been caught in the act. And if that wasn't bad enough, they, they drag her into the public square, uh, not just in front of all the people that are there, but in front of Jesus. And on top of that, the, the penalty for this back in the day was death. They stoned you. That was the whole purpose of it. The, the proof is against her. It's not hearsay. They were caught in the very act. Um, the man is not in the picture for whatever reason. Maybe he got away before they could get to him. Maybe he's already being stoned. We don't know. But these religious leaders, they drag her out into public. They humiliate her. She's probably half-dressed, being that she got caught in the very act of adultery. Um, and I, I just want you to try to imagine the shame for a minute. Not just that, but the punishment is death. I don't think she woke up that morning thinking that I'm about to die today. And she wakes up and she, she's, she's facing death. Now, back in the day when they stoned you, they didn't use little pebbles. Uh, these were the biggest rocks I could find, but it was probably, this was probably the smallest size they would have used. Because the point is, is they wanted to kill you. They wanted to hit you in the head, they wanted to do damage, and they wanted to kill you hard. And so they would, they would be having these rocks. And this is what was against her. It was death. And if I'm being blunt with you today, this is what we all deserved because of our sin. We deserve death. Spiritually speaking, we deserve death. We already have to, have to face death one time already because of sin. Thank God, because if we didn't, we'd be stuck here forever in a sin-cursed world. But that's not the death that we're scared of. The death that we should be freaked out about is the second death. The Bible talks about that, and that's a life eternally spent away from God in a place called hell. That's a very real place. And this represents what we deserved. We deserved the stones. We deserved, we deserved hell. And she wakes up that morning, and, and she's caught in the act of adultery, and people are coming at her with these right here. And they come to Jesus, and they ask the question. And I just want you to try to imagine this woman for a minute, because I don't, sometimes I think we, we read these stories, and we can't really put ourselves into the story. But I, I just want you to imagine being brought on this stage right now. Just like if I picked you out of your seat, and somehow we did all the, the work against you, and you didn't know, and, and we brought you up here, and we just showed on the screen a montage of all your bad internet activity. And you had to stand here and face everybody while we watched that. 
and then you had to give an account for yourself? Or what if you came up here and somehow we had dug into your records and we had pulled out some people who knew some really bad dirt against you? Maybe people you haven't seen in a very long time, and we brought them up and we just paraded them across, things that you didn't want anybody to know, things in your past, and, and you just stood here and we just paraded your embarrassment and your shame to everybody here. Can you imagine that? I just want you to try just for a second. It's really bad. You, you think of it for a second, and then you just want to stop thinking about it. We're not going to do that. Take a breath. But I just want you to imagine that for a minute. Imagine there's no way to hide. There's no way to talk your way out of it. You're just standing here. You're shamed and you're embarrassed. And if that's not enough, at the end of all that, you were going to die. We were going to stone you because that's what the law said. And it was a norm. That's, that's what they were going to do. That's what we were going to do to you. That was the reality of what this woman was facing. Her sin had been exposed and there was absolutely no way out of it. Now, it's, it's noting that when they brought her to Jesus, they said, now, what do you say? This is what the law of Moses says, Jesus. Now, what do you say? It's, it's worth noting in verse 6, it says that they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They were trying to trap Jesus. They hated Jesus. They wanted to accuse him. They were trying always to trip him up in his words and find some reason to make him you know, say blasphemy or something where they could arrest him. Um, if Jesus had said, you know what, we're going to show her mercy, then they would have accused Jesus of blaspheming the law, the law of the Jews. This was something that God gave way back in the Old Testament. That was a huge deal. They had arrested him for it. Um, if he had have agreed to the stoning and said, yeah, the law says it, let's stone her, then he would have been going back on everything that he stood for, his whole teaching, mercy and grace, his unmerited favor that he was known for. And they would have, they would have said, you're, you're, you're two-sided, you know, you're, you're talking out both sides of your mouth, and they would have tried to, to discredit him. They were trying to trap him. They were trying to make it to where he would look like a hypocrite. The funny part about it is, is that Jesus knew the law better than they did. <laughs> they were trying to trap him. He already knew it, but he also knew their hearts. And so everyone's trying to see, what is Jesus going to say? And they have stones in hand. What, what is Jesus going to say? What is he going to do? And Jesus does something crazy. He ignores them. And you think for a second that he's dodging it. He actually does something even crazier than that. He stoops down in the dirt and starts to write in the dirt with his finger. He starts to write in the dirt with his finger. Now, nobody knows what he was writing. There's a lot of, you know, conjecture about what it is he was writing. There's actually been some pretty good sermons speculating what Jesus must have been writing. Well, he must have been writing the names of the people that, in the crowd that had committed the same sin, or he must have been writing something where they would have, but we don't know what he wrote. In fact, I would argue to say boldly that it really doesn't matter to focus on. If it did matter, we would know what he wrote, but we don't. The point is, is that he's not answering their question. And so they begin to press him. Verse 7 says, then they, they kept on questioning him. And so Jesus straightened up and he said this, and we all know the verse, let the one, any of you, that's without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he begins to stoop back down and write again in the dirt. And so, so here they are. They're, they're ready to, to stone her. They're ready to make a, a public disgrace of her. And they're ready to try to see what Jesus is going to say. And they've got these rocks. And Jesus does, says, says one simple statement that puts the whole situation on his head. Now, he didn't condone her sin. He didn't deny that the law should be upheld, but he did something interesting. He made them look at themselves. And when they did, the stones begin to drop. And that was the sound of it. He said, okay, well, well, let's, let's do it then. If you want to stone her, let's, let's stone her. But let the perfect people go first. Let's see them. And for the first time, the woman feels the weight of the situation, the weight of her sin, the weight 
being lifted up. And the Bible says it this in verse 9, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. There, still standing with the woman. And one at a time, this is what she hears. She's, she's been condemned to die. She's been convicted of this crime against their law. He, she's, been, she's been shamed and humiliated, and death was imminent. And this is what she hears one by one, rocks just dropping. And that's the weight of what we call condemnation going away. One at a time. There's a few things about fresh starts that I want to point out today, and that's when you've been given a fresh start in Jesus, the condemnation disappears. This is what you begin to hear. Okay, imminent death that was supposed to be yours, the, the, the penalty that was supposed to be yours, the condemnation of it drops. Her actions deserve the punishment. Your actions deserve the punishment. And if anybody seemingly had the right to prosecute her, it would have been the religious leaders. I mean, these, these guys knew the law. They caught her in the very act. They had proof. And according to their law, the person that did this deserved the worst punishment imaginable. And she knew this. She didn't even say anything to try to defend herself. She knew what was coming. But when Jesus enters the picture, then sin no longer has to bring condemnation. And the penalty of your sin sounds like rocks hitting the floor. I don't know what the struggle is in your life. I don't know what the guilt that you're feeling is for the things that you've done or you're involved in. But if you'll invite Jesus into the mix, if you'll invite Jesus into your situation, then rocks drop and condemnation disappears. I want you to try to imagine that she was being accused by the top leaders of the Jewish law. The top, I mean, this is, it doesn't get any worse than this. Imagine going before the, the highest authority in the land. And I'm sure she felt like she was a goner. And one statement, Jesus completely disarms the most influential people and group of leaders at the time. When the proof is stacked against you, God can still forgive. And the guilt and condemnation disappears and your sin is not held against you. Condemnation disappears. I want you to know that a fresh start is still available to you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what the situation is. It might take some humility on your part. It might take some confession and getting rid of excuses. I'm sure this woman had to possibly go back and, and talk about this with her family and have to walk through the turmoil of trying to rebuild a life. But if, if top leaders with all the proof in the world can be tamed by the grace of God, then your accusers can be too. Satan, your, your biggest accuser, in, in one word, God can turn him over on his head and rocks begin to fall. And what you thought was stacked up against you, this is the sound you begin to hear. The sound of your condemnation hitting the floor. And God's grace reigns. So the accuser's clear. She doesn't try to run. She could have. Her accusers were gone, but they brought her to Jesus for the verdict. And so she stands facing Jesus, expecting him to, 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 to tell her what's going to happen. So she looked to him to decide. Now, you may say, well, thank God everybody left. Jesus is there. If I'm going to be in the hands of somebody, I want it to be Jesus. Well, you got to remember something. Jesus never sinned. He was the one guy who could throw a rock at her. <laughs> he, was, he was the one. He was considered to be a rabbi, a teacher by many, the Messiah, the, the Son of God. He never sinned. He was the one that, that could have done it. There's no one that is more against sin than Jesus, but there's also no one more compassionate to the sinner either. Verse 10 says that Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has nobody condemned you? And this is what she says. She speaks this out loud. She says, No one, sir. 
Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. When you've been given a fresh start, condemnation disappears. That's what it sounds like. It just, it falls to the floor. And the final word rests with Jesus, not anybody else. Say fresh start. Fresh start. She, she'd been given this fresh start, but then she had to do something with it. She actually had to live it out. There wasn't just that moment in time. She, her life went on and she had to live it out. Her life had to change. It wasn't enough to be forgiven. It's not enough for us to be forgiven. There is something called why we're still on this earth after our sins are forgiven, and we have to live it out. And when you live like you've had a fresh start, one of the most important things you can do is speak like it, is speak like it. When Jesus asked her, where are the ones condemning you? It prompted her to say something. It prompted her to speak something. Um, It prompted her to admit that she was rescued. It prompted her to say with her mouth that she had been freed. It wasn't something for her to think about. It was an answer she spoke. There is not anyone here to condemn me. This is what my life is. It was, I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't need to hear her say that he'd given her a fresh start. She needed to hear herself say it. I think it's interesting. He didn't need to hear that. She needed to say she'd been rescued. And her words needed to match the rescue that she'd been given. Did you know your thoughts and the things you dwell on and your outlook on life, it determines the words that'll come out of your mouth? It does. When you've been given a fresh start in life, your words have to match your rescue. Grateful people with fresh starts, they, they focus on their rescue, not the details of their prior situation. Jesus got this woman to speak words about her rescue, not the difficulty of her humiliation. He got her to speak words about her rescue in this fresh start, not the rocks that were impending death against her. He could have said, man, that that was tough. How'd you feel about that? He didn't say any of that. He said, where are they? And she spoke the words, this is my life. It's different. There is no one here to condemn me. I can't count the people that that tell me, Ryan, I, I have a new life now. My life is not like it used to be. God's given me this fresh start. But the words they speak about the people and the words they speak about the things that they went through, it's almost as if they're still living in the past. If you are going to live out this fresh start you've been given, you have to speak like it. You have to speak words that resemble the rescue. Your words have to match the fresh start that you've been given. Now, why is this important? Well, there's a reason why you don't hang around negative people because their words just sap you. They drain you. We don't want to hang around people like that. We want people to hang around that will speak encouragement and speak life and are, are you know, seemingly happy. You know, sometimes it's just like, would you please just fake it? You know, say something that's not negative. We, just, we don't want to be around negative people. Um, if your kid fails a test and they call themselves stupid, well, you're one of your immediate responses, if not the first one, is don't say that. You know, it's like crazy just to hear them say it. We know that words matter. That's why Proverbs chapter 12 says that it's the words of the wise that bring healing. It's words. It's something that they speak. It's not deeds they do necessarily. He says it's their words. It brings healing. It has the power to to raise people up. Jesus in Matthew 15 said, it's the words that come out of a person's mouth that makes them unclean living underneath the God's best for them. He said, your words are something that come from deep within you, come from your heart. Uh, Mark 11, Jesus said that it's, it's a person's belief combined with words that they speak that have the power to move mountains in their life. Our ability to speak the truth in the midst of our feelings is what enables us to live out this fresh start that God gives us and not live in the past. Uh, the woman that day, she saw that she'd been rescued. 
She saw it. She, she saw the rocks laying on the ground. She saw her immediate and impending death, and she saw that her situation was different. Um, but it wasn't until Jesus led her to speak the words, hey, there's nobody here to condemn me. And he says, I don't condemn you either. It wasn't until she, he said, she said that that she began to, I believe, walk away and have this new life. It was something that she needed to hear herself say. He, then he said, I want, you to, I want you to leave and I want you to live a new life. He said, I don't condemn you. He said, no, I want you to go and I want you to live a new life. He said, I want you to go and I want you to, to leave this life of sin. He didn't just give her a fresh start. He said, this is something different. You actually have to go and live in this. And I think it's interesting that the first thing he had her do was speak it. I can give you this fresh start and you're going to see it. But in order to live it out, you're going to have to talk like it. And the first thing he did is he enabled her to see it. There is something about the sound of your own voice hitting your ears that bolsters your faith. Some of you can see you've been given a fresh start. You can see that life looks different than it used to, but you're a slave to your thoughts and you're a slave in your mind because you're not living it out because the words that you use don't match the rescue that God's performed in your life. And whenever you begin to live grateful for your fresh start, listen to me, it will demand that your language change about your prior situation. It will. Your words have to match your rescue. Letting go of where you've been and grasping on to where you're going. And I just want to pose this bold question to you today. Could the best of what God has for you be waiting for you to change the way you speak? Could it? When you begin to live out your fresh start, not just be given one. We, we, the, the woman saw the rocks were on the ground. You can see that your life is different. But when you begin to live it out, not just be given, you'll speak like it. You'll speak like it. Say fresh start. Fresh start. Part of living out this fresh start is, is remembering to be grateful for what you've been given. Remembering to be grateful. Uh, earlier I said whenever you know that you've been rescued, say no. When, when you know it, it will send you into a world of gratitude. Now, that word no is tricky because we know in the beginning that it's happened because we can see it. We can feel it. We tell everybody we know. We cry. We, we praise God. We come in here and everything's different. But, but knowing it requires that we remember it. There is a knowledge of our rescue that as time goes by, we will forget because the feelings of it go away. And so there comes a time where we have to, on purpose and intentionally, remember what happened. Remember what God did for us. Continue to know. Live grateful for your fresh start. It, it demands that we remember the rescue. Remember the rescue. When you know you, you shouldn't have made it, when you know there was no way out, but God rescued you, you'll be grateful. When you know... When you realize, and as time goes on and the feelings have worn off, when you take the time to consider what happened and you come to the conclusion once again that you've been saved, when you remember, I tell you what, sometimes the, the feelings of what God did wears off, time goes by. Don't, don't you wish your kids would remember some things that you did for them? <laughs> you ever take your kids to a theme park? And you pull in, the, pull in the parking lot and they're all excited and they're grateful and pulling in and it doesn't take long for them to forget, does it? Why can't we have ice cream? <laughs> you know, well, I paid for all the gas here and you, you don't get it. You don't understand. Why can't we have a souvenir? You know, and you're just like, come on, I wish you, I'll give you a souvenir. It's going to be a hand slap right across the front of your own. You know, it's, they just forget. It's like, I just wish my kids would, would remember. Well, it's the same with adults. That knowledge that you've been saved, it comes naturally when you see it, but it takes time and it takes effort as, as more time goes by. Gratitude will always follow knowledge. You need to remember that. Gratitude will always follow knowledge. You only remain grateful about the things you remain knowledgeable about. 
So if you're, AKA, you have to remember it. It's something that you have to remember. When your life turns around and you've been given a clean state, you can't help but be grateful. But as time goes by, you actually have to remember. And you know what? As humans, we stink at this. We, we don't do it naturally. We naturally get feelings about when it first happens, and we naturally forget as time goes on. Have you ever heard of the cliche, you don't know what you got until it's, until it's gone? Well, it proves the fact that we get complacent. The reason why that's so true is because the only time that we naturally take the time to remember what we have is when we're forced to remember it after we have the feelings of loss, when it's gone. But, but what if? What if we put things in our lives as consistent reminders to fight against that natural tendency to forget just how significant the rescue was that God brought us from, just, just how significant the, 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 the change was when he brought us from that death, so to speak, to life? What, what if we put things in our lives to always remember it so that we'll always be consistent and so that we'll be always remain grateful? I had a friend years ago who was extremely overweight, um, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. He got sick and tired of it. Great guy. And he, God gave him a reality check one day. It was probably over a long time, but at, at one point it just clicked for him. And I remember him telling me, I was looking at my little boy, and I thought, if, if I'm not around to be his dad, that will be the worst thing in the world. And he said, I've, I've got to lose weight. And so he began to lose weight, and years go by, and this guy lost the equivalent of two healthy adults. I mean, he, was, he looked good. And I remember one day looking at him um, after he did all this, and he had lost all the weight, and his belt, like, wrapped around him twice. I remember almost. I'm not even kidding you. And I, I told him, I said, dude, I said, you know, um, you, you probably need to get a new belt. You know what I mean? You're, um, you, you, I don't know if you're wearing the belt or the belt's wearing you. You know, you probably need to do something. And he said, no. And he had this serious look on his face. And, and I was like, okay. I was just kind of getting ready for what he was going to say. And he said, I want to wear this every day as a reminder of my new life and what I never want to go back to. I was like, wear it. Wear the belt. It was one of those leather braided belts that you could kind of put the thing in anywhere, you know? And he wore it. And it like, went around him almost twice. He didn't want the fresh start to become a distant memory. He wanted to make sure that he could live it out every single day and be grateful. Gratitude follows knowledge. And so he reminded himself every day to be knowledgeable about where he came from. If you want to remain grateful for your fresh start, then remember the rescue and do it often. Can I talk to you for a minute? Can, can I get real with you for a minute? Can I, can I step on your toes just for a minute? I'll step on mine too. How about that? Sometimes these rocks that people are holding against us and maybe Satan's holding against you because of your sin, it feels hard. And, and we're reminded whenever we hear that sound, I'm sure the woman heard it, it was, we get this fresh start. And fresh start, the condemnation disappears. And when we begin to speak the words of our new life, we just begin to remember that it's gone and, and we begin to live it out. And, and we put things in our lives to remember what God brought us from. I don't know what the woman did, you know, to try to remember that day. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what she did, but I'm sure in, in terms of living it out and remaining grateful, she did something. Um, but I, maybe today isn't uh, the, the struggle for you isn't, aren't those things. Maybe you're, you're living this thing out. Maybe you're doing your best to live a fresh start. Maybe you've been given the fresh start, but, but maybe today that's not the problem. Maybe today is, is you're the one holding the rock and you're standing in the way of somebody else having their fresh start. Maybe kind of the, the, the tables are turned. Maybe they've done something to you. Maybe they've offended you. Maybe they've hurt you deeply. Uh, maybe you have a fresh start, but maybe you're holding somebody back 
from, from getting theirs. And if you think about it, the woman in the story, she offended the very fiber of the Jewish law. Now, these, these guys, now granted, they were malicious, and they were doing some pretty, pretty stupid things, I'll just say, foolish things. But they were offended. They were hurt. They were everything they lived for. This woman was, was offending. And so what did they do? They came at her with rocks. And they, they began to, you know, almost, almost hold, them, hold her down. They, I mean, they, they were wanting to stone her with them. The law demanded a death, not a fresh start, and so they were ready. There was no way she was getting out of this. And they had their rocks in hand. But it was when they dropped their rocks and they turned and walked away that she was able to see Jesus and only Jesus. But when, she had, when they had the rocks in their hands, she was just solely focused on them, and the fresh start couldn't happen because all she could see was the imminent death that they were looking at her with. Could it be that someone in your life is having trouble seeing Jesus for their fresh start because they're too focused on, on, on the rock you're holding against them? Now, now, granted, their salvation is dependent on them and Jesus. I get that. But could it be that you're making it really hard for them to see it because of what you're putting them through by holding this rock? I think it's important to notice that the ones demanding justice didn't walk away until they took the focus off of the woman and put the focus on themselves. Jesus said, yeah, you, you can throw the stone, but the first one that's perfect, then you can do it. it. They were focused on the woman, but then in a split second, they were focused on just themselves, and that's when they, that's when they dropped the rock. You, you'll never learn what it means to truly forgive somebody. You'll never learn what it truly means to, to turn and walk away until you stop demanding justice. Listen, and not condone what they did, but when you focus on your own self and your own need for a Savior. I mean, these are, these are the top leaders of the day. These are guys that knew the law. These were guys that had every right, seemingly, to stone this woman. But when they turned around and just looked at themselves, the rock became nothing, and they walked away. When I hold on to a rock in my heart against somebody, it means I'm, I'm operating out of hurt and not healing. You may say you've healed. You may say you have a fresh start. You may say you're completely this or completely that. But as long as you're holding something against somebody, that's hurt. It's not what they did. It's your inability to heal. And the longer you hold a rock, I would argue, the harder it is for them to see Christ because of what you're doing. What's it going to take for you to drop it? Living out your fresh start. It means recognizing your own need for God. And I just got to say, when, when you stand before God and you imagine yourself at the cross and you're standing before him and you just know that you deserved hell. By the way, if, if you stand before God and you really get into his presence, there's no way that you won't see that. There, there's not. You can't stand in the presence of God. You can't be in God's presence and somehow feel better than Jesus. That's ridiculous. I just, when you stand before God, it's like you, you see this person that's hurt you over here, and, and you don't even know it. You can hide this thing. You can stick it in your pocket. You can walk around with it. Nobody knows, but on the inside, you look, you look like this. I mean, you're just walking around waiting for an opportunity to hurl a word or, or say something or get back at somebody. Maybe you're the one holding the rock today. And, but when, when you stand before God and you look at him and you look at Jesus and you look at everything he went through, gosh, if anybody deserved to hold a rock, don't you think it was him? And he looked at you. And he could have thrown a rock at you, but he looks at you with his mercy and his grace. And, and, and forget what that person did. When you look at Jesus and you really get into his presence, there's nothing else that exists. Nothing. You can't stand in the presence of Jesus and somehow look at somebody else and everything they've done to you whenever you know you deserve the same hell that they did. You deserve the same rock that they're, you're saying that they deserve. You can't do it. 
When you really get in the presence of Jesus, it just becomes about you and it just becomes about him. And he begins to show you how much he loves you. And he begins to show you just for a second, just how much you deserve hell so that he can bridge that gap and show you just how much he loved you, that he came to this earth to die for you and laid down his life for you. And when he had the rock in his hand, he dropped it and laid down his life so that you could live. And when you begin to understand that, there is nothing, there is no person, there's no situation that you can hold a rock to and it demands that the rock drops. If you want to drop rocks, if you want to completely heal, it's going to demand you put yourself at the foot of the cross. It's going to demand that you see yourself and your own need for a Savior. I mean, it happened for these guys, and they didn't even believe that he was the Messiah. But yet when he kind of used the law against them, <laughs> when they begin to see their own selves, the rocks had to go. Living out your fresh start, you got to recognize your own need for God. That knowledge will be enough, not to condone sin, but to drop the rock that you have against somebody and live out the joy that God intended you to live, paving the way, potentially, for them to be able to see Christ more clearly. I want to say a prayer as we, as we close today. I, I'm grateful for fresh starts. Can you say fresh start again? Some of you today need a fresh start. Some of you today know what it means to live in a fresh start. Some of you today need to let go of some things to make it more possible for somebody else to enjoy and live out their own fresh start. Wherever category you're in today, I want you to know that God is here waiting for you and you can take that next step in Him. Whatever that happens to be for you, maybe you need to remember the fresh start you've been given. Maybe you need to put some things in your, in your life to help you remember consistently. Maybe you need to start speaking differently about your past and actually start living this fresh start out like you're actually in a fresh start <laughs> and your words need to match your rescue. Maybe some of you today need to remember that you've, given, you've been given a fresh start in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Jesus. So stop feeling guilty and stop pitying yourself and start walking in this grace and in this mercy that God gives you. Maybe some of you today have never experienced what it means to hear a rock drop and the condemnation go away like that. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart that he is God, that he is God's son, that he died for you, and you confess that, and you believe in your heart that, hey, you didn't deserve it, but he did it for you. There's nothing you could do. Then you're saved. The Bible says in Christ there is no condemnation. There's no magic about it. There is no mystery about that. It happens immediately. And then you have to walk it out and live it. I just want to invite you to, to make that step today. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never been close enough to him in your heart to say, God, I need you. I don't think you're here by accident today. And I just want to give you the opportunity, not as God, but just as a pastor, as a messenger, as a person just like you, to say you can make that decision today and the condemnation can flee in your life right now. Can we pray together? God, thank you for this opportunity to, to speak today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together and be encouraged. Um, Lord, we're getting ready to walk out these doors. And I, I want this to be more than just, a, oh, this was great today. I feel good. God, some of us in here need real life change. And I pray that your word, not mine, your word that we've spoken today, God, tap us on the shoulders as we walk out these doors every day, every time we wake up, every time we get in the car, every time we're walking to, through the office, every time we're doing whatever. Lord, Holy Spirit, show us once again how much we need to turn to you, how much we need to actually live out this fresh start we've been given and stop remaining captive in our hearts and captive in our minds and holding ourselves hostage with our words. 
God, but to remember what you've done for us, remain grateful, and actually speak like it and walk away with it. Lord, for those in the room who've, who've never accepted you, God, I'm just going to say a prayer. And, and, and church, if that's you today, I, I encourage you to say this prayer with me. God, I need you. I believe that you are God's son, Jesus. I believe that you did come to this earth to die for me. I believe I couldn't do it myself, and I know that my best isn't good enough to earn heaven. I can't get to heaven one day and try to pull out my resume of think good things that I've done, imperfectly, might I add, and try to get into a perfect heaven to a perfect God. There's no way I could do it. I recognize that. Something has to be perfect, and I recognize Jesus as my perfection. I recognize Jesus as the one that lived here and died for me, living a sinless life. I believe he is your son, and I just want to say I, I submit to that. I give my life to him. I don't just want him to be my savior of sorts. I want him to be my Lord. I want to live the rest of my days with a heart aimed at him. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be while I'm here, but I want to aim my heart at him and ask him to help me in every situation. When I slip, I trust him to help me get back up. When I have a good day, I want to celebrate that with him. When I have a bad day, I want to invite him alongside of me to, to experience the pain with me and somehow figure out a next step to get out. Lord, I, I just want to include you in my life. I'm done living like you're a Sunday thing. I want to live like you're my soul. You're inside of me and you live with me and you walk with me and you talk with me. And, and I just want to include you in my life. Help me to see that more clearly and so that I can walk this out in a way that's honoring to you. Lord, I thank you for everyone in here that's come today. I, my, my prayer as we walk out of here again, God, is that you'll remind us of the word that was spoken today and that our lives would begin to resemble the fresh start that we have in you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.